We're in a series called Basic Needs. Would you say that with me? One, two, three. One more time. That's right, basic needs. And the premise of our series is that we all have basic needs. Uh, For our physical body, we have some basic needs. We, We have to have air to breathe. Uh, you know, I think we, what, what did we quote a couple weeks ago? Uh, that the average person can only live without air to their lungs for three, uh, for three minutes. That's the longest you can go. Uh, food, we have to have food the longest uh, that you can, you know, everybody's a little different. But about four weeks is the average that you can live before you die without food. And then uh, three days is about the average person can live without water. So we have these basic needs just for our bodies to operate. And when we don't have them, our bodies shut down. We die, if you will. And so we connected that as well to the basic needs that God put in each and every one of us that our soul needs. Our soul has some basic needs. In fact, uh, we opened this series with a scripture. It's 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. It's our key scripture for this series. And it says it like this. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Would you put that on the screen for him? I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Just as your soul prospers. That was our key scripture. That our soul would prosper. That we would grow in our soul. Um, And I meet so many people who've kind of been stunted in their growth. Because they don't have the basic needs for their soul to grow. Now, who better than to help us understand how our soul is to grow than the creator of heaven and earth? Come on, somebody say yes. God created us, so surely he knows how to help us continue to grow and be healthy and be a viable part of our community. And so what we looked at were these basic needs, and we started with the first basic need that we have to have to to be healthy Christians and individuals, and the first one was security. We need to know who we are. We need to know our identity, and when you don't know who you are, then what happens is life is all over the map for you and confusion and difficulty, and we only find our security, friend, in Christ. That's where we become secure is in Christ. And so many people have lived a life without security. Dad left them, uh, and so their childhood lacked security. Uh, They they lost jobs, and so they have this insecurity inside of them. I don't know about you. I'm just tired of dealing with super insecure people. It's just driving me insane. And it's because they don't have the security that comes from the maker. And, friend, you and I looked at that, and we studied that. Then last week we talked about the second basic need or second ingredient in our growth, and that is intimacy. Intimacy, And we said, you know, that little statement, into me, Lord, see. See what's in me. And that intimacy, that loving, interactive relationship. We put you on a desert island. After a few years, you would become dead on the inside. Why? Because you had no intimacy, not with another human. You didn't have that physical touch. You didn't have that, that love interaction. But much, much more if the, for the world not to have an intimate relationship with their creator. And we talked about the reason why they don't have that intimate relationship with the creator. Because they'll start the relationship, but they won't maintain that that relationship. And then we talked about we're going to look at purpose today and we're going to close out the basic need series that we've got to have community. Now we connected this whole thing to uh, plant life. I I needed an illustration to help you see that you are to be a growing being, that you're supposed to be maturing and growing and producing fruit. And so we connected it because I'm such a great green thumb and a horticulturalist. And uh, and so what I did was I, I bought the little planter box and we put some tomato plants in here. You see them right there and uh and so can you tell they've been growing have you been coming for a couple weeks you might can tell they've grown about well they've grown so there there's some growth there 
And, uh, and, and, and so we talked about for them to grow. And, and I looked it up on the internet, so it's true. They need, uh, plants need some basic things. They, they needed air. And we kind of connected that, you know, that they need good, clean air. We connected that kind of to we need security in our life. And then, uh, and then they've got to have, they've got to have water. They have to be watered. And we connected that to how we have to have the love of God abounding in our heart. We have to have intimacy with the Lord to grow. And then, and then they also have to have good soil and they also have to have good sunlight. And so we've been working that into our illustration on how we need uh, these things, uh, the basic needs that we have to have to grow. So I'd like to point out, because I know most of you were complaining. In fact, I got a few, uh, you know, a few little posts about, you know, when I was planting some of these things, I planted some, some bean seeds and I got a few uh, of you who uh, have green thumbs and like, it ain't going to grow. You put it down in the dirt too deep. Well, I'd like Jonathan to come up here with a super camera. With a super camera, because you can't see the beans as they have sprouted and grown. But friend, I want to point out to you, look at that right there. Ah, that one grew, and that one grew, and that one grew. Come on, somebody. And that one grew, and my little plants are growing. They were down here, and now they're up to here. Come on, somebody. So all of you naysayers who said I planted those beans too deep and they wouldn't grow, I just want to point out that they grew. Now, I also have to be honest, Gina came back around and pulled them up a little bit because they were, yeah, tell the truth, I guess, since I'm the pastor. <laughs> so, and so our goal is that by next week, that our tomato plants should be just bursting with tomatoes. And the reason why we know this is going to happen is because in my putting together the soil, I found a bag at Home Depot called Organic potting soil. And for you guys that weren't here the first week, I did not know that organic, sorry for my junior high statement here, but organic is nothing more than cow poop in a bag. So when I opened the cow poop in a bag and threw it in this box in the sanctuary, it smelled so ripe in here and we had to, had to adjust. But I know since the cow poop is down in here, we have supernatural growth going to happen. It's like being baptized in the Holy Spirit or something. I don't know. I'm connecting it some kind of way. And so when we were planting these, my wife said, you got to put these merry-go-round things in here too. So we put these, uh, 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 these yellow plants. They're called uh, marriage opters or something. I, I don't know what they're called. I can't, what are they called? Yeah, miracle plants or something. What are they called? And so, And the reason why we put those in there, she said, is because those will cause... Uh, those will literally ward off the bugs that try to get on the fruit-producing plants. Friend, listen to me, Christian. You need some folks in your life that will help ward off the bugs that are all around you that are trying to destroy you. Isn't that good? Man, I might just preach right there. So with that being said, let's jump into today's basic need. And the basic need that we're going to talk about today is purpose. And purpose, I would liken that to the way these plants need light. So we've been taking this box and putting it out in the sunlight. And then we've also, you know, we've got a, we got a, we, you know, we got a planter light or whatever you call these things that we've been shining on it, you know, for when it's inside and we can't get it outdoor in the light. And so, and so that light is critical for that growing. And I think it's the same thing for our soul is that we must know our purpose. Our key scripture is Proverbs 19, 21. If you'll turn there quickly with me. And it's a real simple passage. You probably have heard it before if you've been around the church. It says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that will prevail. And if I could summarize this statement and kind of put it in, in kind of the intent of what is being said here, what's really being said here is we have plans, but when we submit our plans to the Lord's plans, then our lives will prevail. 
So we all have things in our heart. You know, you all had those pipe dreams from when you were a kid of you scoring the winning. Come on, bro. You scoring the winning touchdown. You dive. You catch the ball. As you catch it, you keep your feet in. And then the guy hits you and breaks your femur and you can never walk again. But you scored the winning touchdown. And you're now on national TV as a broadcaster. You know, that's Wait, that was Romo. Anyway, so point being, point being is that we all have these things in our own heart that we want to do or we thought we were going to do in these plans. And what this passage is literally saying, this is the summary of the thought process here, is that when we take what we thought was our life plans and what we thought why we were here and we submit them to God's plans and God's purpose, then all of a sudden life prevails. Why? Because we got to go back to the source to know the reason for something's existence. Let me give you the definition out of your Webster's for this word purpose. It's defined as this. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. The reason why something exists. Purpose is is defined as why is that thing alive? Why was that thing made? And when you look at yourself in the mirror and we look at ourselves and say, why am I here? There's only one individual who can answer that, and that's the creator. Because if you're the one who made the biscuits and they taste the way they taste, I got to go back to you and say, what did you do and why did you do that? If you're the one who made that chair and it has this look about it, I need to go back to what you intended it to look like, what you were trying to accomplish for its function. So if you want to know why you are alive on the planet sucking air right now from this season of life why are you here you have to go back to the creator and find out why he made you and why he put you here on this planet purpose isn't the thing you do it's what you are this is where people miss it i'll never forget you know when 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 you know, I came into this world a little different than maybe some of you. My mom and my dad are sitting on the front row. And my mom was pregnant with me at 16 years age, uh, out of wedlock. And, and, and my pop is my adopted dad, as mom reminded me. He's, my, he's not my natural father. And, and so in and, and that day, you know, my, my mom got pregnant with me. And, and so I never met my natural father. And so there was, in my, in my early childhood development, there was something in my core that I was an accident. 16-year-old didn't plan to get pregnant and have to quit school and to care for a kid. So in my core of my being, there was a, I was a mistake. I, I wasn't intended. It wasn't planned out. It was an accident. And that was proven year after year early on in elementary school when teachers would call me stupid and worthless. I'll never forget a teacher uh, looked at me and said, you are stupid and you'll, in second grade and you'll never amount to anything. Now, I know why she did it. Can you imagine me being in your second grade class? I mean, I had destroyed her class. I'm sure that she was frustrated, agitated, could not go another, another, another moment and just looked at me and said, stupid, you'll never, ever accomplish anything because you won't listen and you won't sit down and you keep acting the fool. I'm, I'm positive that's what her intent wasn't to be that destructive, but it went down in me. It went down in me. And so I, I didn't know why I was here. I, I didn't understand that God literally created me. Until after we become Christians, got filled with the Spirit. And I was reading the Bible as a young man. And I came across Ephesians 1.4. And Ephesians 1.4 says it like this. Before the foundations of the earth, I picked you. I chose you. 
And when I read that, that thing resonated down inside of me. Before God ever created the world, if you're a creationist, 6,000 years ago. If you're an evolutionist, one point, whatever. Whatever it was, at least 6,000 years ago, God said, I'm going to put Adam McCain on the planet. I'm going to put him here right here at this season, at this time. And if he picked me, says he picked me before he ever even created the world. He picked. In other words, have you ever picked a team? Have you ever been the one standing there and said, I'll take you and I'll take you? When you picked one, you picked the people that you get on your team so that you can can win. So if he picked me, then I wasn't an accident. If he picked me, come on somebody, that means he's got a role and a plan for my life. And he's got an expectation for me to produce. He picked me because he loved me. He picked me because he wanted me. I wasn't an accident. He wanted me to be alive at this time for this reason, for this purpose. And when I got a hold of that, oh, it changed everything. Why? Because again, because purpose isn't what you do. It's what you are. So many times, People dream, if I can just get to my purpose. Somebody prophesied to you when you were 12 years old that you were going to have you know, this great big ministry and here you are in your 40s and you don't have a great big ministry. See, your problem was you were trying to get to do something instead of realizing who you are. Purpose is who I am. Purpose is what I'm doing right now because I am living who I am in front of you, in front of the world, and doing what needs to be done because it comes out of me naturally. It's not the end goal. I'm not trying to get to a gold line. Da, 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 da. I have arrived. I finally got a business. I have arrived. I finally got married. I'm living purpose. Friend, you are purpose wherever you're standing, wherever you're sitting, whatever you're doing. You are purpose alive and well now. And until you get a hold of that, you'll constantly be trying to reach for something that's elusive. And so today, let's look at Jesus where he declares his purpose, where he declares why he was sent to the planet. So there's this passage in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. We'll start there. Jesus is returning to Nazareth where he grew up. So you would need to picture this. He grew up as a little boy. We don't see in scripture any identification or any explanation of what it was like. Did he have zits? Did he, you know, did he, did he, did he take the, the, the car out and wreck it, you know, at 16? I mean, we don't have any knowledge of what happened kind of past 12 years old till he was 30. We don't have any, but, but obviously we know he worked with his dad, uh, you know, in, in the business, you know, with, with Joseph, excuse me. And, uh, and, and so he was a carpenter, which, you know, probably more worked with, uh, with rocks and things like that, less with wood because of the type topography and that's there in Israel. And so, and so we, we see that, you know, he comes back. He's been out ministering. He's healing the sick, raising the dead, and he comes back to Nazareth. Let's pick up in verse 16. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. As he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Now, you've got to understand, they've been hearing about their, about their hometown hero going out and ministering and raising the dead and healing the sick. But what has happened is they know him. Man, dude, you sat in my restaurant every weekend. Bro, I look, what, what, you, you ain't no Messiah. Man, you, went to, you was in my junior high class. I know you, man. You just Jose or Jesus, however you want to say it. But it's a saint. Hey, Suze, yeah, right. <clears throat> and, so, and so, you know, this whole thing's back and forth. And so, in fact, it says in one passage, he could not do very many miracles in, in Nazareth because they had no real respect for him. That's what scares me about those of you that have grown around the church your whole life. You've lost real respect for who he is. And so as a result, that familiarity has bred contempt. And that's what's happened here. So he goes into their synagogue and he starts preaching. He can't get hardly anybody healed. The Bible says except a few, you know, sick people here or there. But he can't do anything really supernatural because of their unbelief. Because why? Because they're familiar with him. Man, I, I play football with you. I don't want to hear it. You're not the Messiah. And so let's pick up there in verse 18. So he reads the scroll. And this is what he reads. The Spirit 
of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he stops the scroll, drops the mic, and says, today this has been fulfilled. He's saying, this is me. This is why I'm here. I, I have come to declare freedom for you who have been in prison in your mind and in your, in your soul. I'm here to set at liberty those who have been captive and to bring forth healing. I'm here to declare God's favor on you. This is why I've been brought. This is my purpose in life. This is why I've come to the earth. He speaks that out. And then they all get excited like, okay, all right, do some miracles, baby. Let's see you do some miracles. And then he goes on, and we don't have it on the screen, but you can go back and look at it later. Then he goes on, and he rebukes him. He rebukes him. He says, you just want a sign. He said, you're not going to believe anyway. And he rebukes them for not believing in him. And then he compares them to some of those in the past who had missed God's movement. Talks about Elijah. He said, he said there were a lot of widows in Israel. He said, but Elijah was sent to one of those pagan widows. And she was sustained miraculously, but the other ones died off. Why? Because they're unbelief. And he goes down through a list of a couple of those. And in that, he te- he's telling them, because you won't believe in me, you won't see anything supernatural. It won't happen in your life. And as a result, they get infuriated. So let's pick up there in verse 20, 28. And it says, and all the people, chapter 4, Luke, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. And they got up and they drove him out of town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. Now, now let me kind of set the scene for you. You got Jesus and his 12 disciples. Big old, it says a crowd. I don't know what you think a mob crowd looks like, but it's a lot of people. And it says they drove him out of the town. They drove him. How did they drive him? Did they put him in their taxi? and go, No. Did they put him on the two-hump camel and they drove him? No, no. This is not an act of goodness and kindness. Hey, we're going to drive you out of town. That's not what they didn't call Uber. What this is, is they are driving him. They're grabbing him. They're throwing. They're kicking. They're spitting. They're pushing them out of town. They're picking up rocks to stone. They had this whole crowd mob mentality because they were furious. And then look what it says. It says, and they took him. He didn't go by his own admonition. He didn't go by his own will. They took him. They grabbed a hold of him and they put him on the edge of the cliff. And because their plan is to throw him off the cliff and kill him. And then... There's verse 30, which is a trip to me. Let's read verse 30. It says it just simply like this. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I love the word of God. Have you ever had that friend? That friend that has a miracle, you know? Yeah, I just got a raise. I'm making 250000 a year. Like, what did you just say? Yeah, 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 I'm making 250000 a year now. Bro, you were broke last month. What did you just say? I'm making 200. You're making 200. Yes, I have a rich friend. Thank you, Jesus. This, this is, this is, and they're going to kill him. And the mobs are raging. And they get him right to the edge of the cliff. And he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. It's like, it's like, ah, I love you, God. But why couldn't you really paint the picture right? The right picture should look like this. I don't know how it happened. I don't know if he supernatural froze everybody. Raw! And Jesus starts walking through. Think. I don't know if all of a sudden, raw! And he becomes invisible. Where 
I don't know how it happened. But here's the point. Jesus declares his purpose. They don't like his purpose. They get angry and try to kill him. But friend, when you live for God's purpose, it don't matter what the crowd say. doesn't matter what they do. They can't kill you until God is ready for you to take that cross up. Until that time, all they can do is go, where'd he go? Where'd he? And you just walk right on through them. No matter, listen, they pushed on him. They spit on him. They shoved on him. And no matter what you've been through, what you're going through, you need to understand this. If you are living God's purpose, there's nothing they can do there's nothing that can destroy you they got him on the edge of the cliff and he freezes i think he freezes them i think they're all like i I just think that would be really cool anyway i think he's like (laughs) i think that's what he did here's the point purpose When you live for God's, many are the plans in a man's heart, but God's purpose will always prevail. When you line up your plans with his purpose, when you say, God, whatever you want, I know I have some skill sets. I know I have these things inside of me, but whatever they are, I submit and surrender them to your plan. Use me however you want to use me. Take me however you want to take me. Frank, can I tell you, when that happens, when you come to that place and he starts revealing what you are and why you are, then all of a sudden life happens inside of you. Then you don't, you're not scared of crowds. You're not scared of what they can do or say. They can't destroy you until he says it's time. No one can take you off of this planet. No one can destroy your life. So let me give you a couple thoughts here. First off, let me just give you this quote. Mark Twain said it like this. The two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. See, when you discover your purpose, let me tell you what's going to happen. You'll attack life with a vengeance, with a vigor. When you, when you discover your purpose, you'll have something to live for, not just something to die for. When you discover your purpose, you'll stop chasing pipe dreams and start living a life worth living. When you discover your purpose, you'll have guidance for difficult life decisions. All you guys are like, I don't know who I'm going to marry. I don't know who I'm going to marry. That's so foolish. I knew exactly who I was going to marry. It was easy. You say, how? And I teach the young adults this all the time. Listen, this is what you do, single people. You run after God with all your heart. And then one day you look up and there's someone right here running after God with all their heart. And then you just, and don't run after God with all your heart. It's that simple. It really is that simple. Because I've watched people chase after a spouse and lose a relationship with the Lord. So once they got what they wanted... They didn't have anything inside of that relationship to sustain it. And they don't understand why God did it. God didn't do it. You stopped chasing after him and started chasing after a mama or a daddy. Uh, yeah. And as a result now, you got what you wanted, but now you don't have him in the midst of it. Why? Because you lost sight of purpose. Here's a, when you discover your purpose, the temptations of this world will lose their power. They lose their power. When you discover your purpose, I ain't doing that. That's dumb. I'm a man of God. I got this thing to accomplish for Jesus. I would never do that. I will not shortchange the plan that he has for my life by giving in to one moment of stupidity. It's not worth it. It's of no value to me. Let me give you a couple truths about purpose. Write these down. These will help you, and we'll start winding down the message for the next two hours right here. 
<laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> All the new people are like, I knew we should have went to Mass instead. <laughs> Would have been quicker. <clears throat> Truths about purpose. Number one, you must trust God's plan. You must trust, excuse me, in God's plan. Listen, He'll never leave you or forsake you. He created you. He has a plan. Many are the plans that you have, but His plan. His plan will work. It'll prevail. It's His plan. He made you. He created you. He's got a plan for you. Stop striving and start trusting. Some of you feel like you're supposed to be a wealthy business person. But you're striving. You're trying to make these divine, you're trying to make these connections. And you're trying, you're hustling over here and you're trying to hustle over here. Friend, why don't you just stop striving and start trusting the Lord to lead you every day. Use your skills, use your giftings, but let the Lord lead you every day. And as you do that, it'll surpass all the striving. It'll go beyond what you could have done in your own strength. And not only that, it'll be His miraculous plan enacted. And there's no way I have had divine connection that there's no way I could have made happen in my own self. God has done it because He wanted it done and because I was just following His plan. And His plan is always the right plan because he's the creator of all plans. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Write that one down. I won't, I won't put it on the screens for you, but this is, this is that passage that every one of you, you should have it as your screensaver. You should have it, you should have it on your iPod, on your Android, whatever. This should be the passage that kind of drives you and secures you on a daily basis. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. In other words, he's got a plan for you. For every one of us, you say, not me, I've been wicked, I'm devil, I'm, I'm horrible, I'm this, I'm that friend. You don't even understand then. You don't have a revelation yet that he has a purpose and a plan for you. And until you get that, you'll chase after everything. That's why nothing is satisfactory to you. That, can I explain something? Young people, the problem with young people is not drugs and alcohol and gay and lesbian lifestyles and this and that and that and this and this and this and that. That's not, the problem is that they have no purpose. When you don't have a purpose, then you might as well. Look, when I didn't have a clear purpose, why not try everything else? There's something dissatisfied inside. I'm not growing. I'm missing something. So, so let me go try to find it. But when you submit yourself to God's purpose and plan for your life, what happens with it, everything comes alive. And all of a sudden now, I don't need that drug to make me feel good. I don't need that alcohol to make the pain go away. I don't need that sexual relationship to kind of somehow make me, make me feel good about my manliness or my womanness, whatever it is. All of a sudden, I found purpose. And those things don't quite matter. He has a plan for you. Trust in that plan. Say, I don't know what that plan is. I'm going to help you today. We're going to help you. I've got a friend that is a very, very successful business person. This gentleman is very successful. Made lots of money over the years. And a couple years ago, he laid all that down. And he's always been in a similar field. But he laid it all down because God was making it clear to he and his family that his purpose was to end childhood malnutrition, to end it. I was like, won't you get a big vision? <laughs> childhood malnutrition around the world. And, and, and I started praying with him about it, and God just started doing things and opening doors. He already had all the skill sets and all the business side of it. But can I tell you something? And this, this guy's not a, a spring chicken. And, and he's, he's been in the latter years of his existence, the last, the, you know, the last half of his life. He's going to end 
childhood malnutrition around the world. And can I tell you something? You want to talk about a man who lives with passion? You want to talk about like, flying all over the world, never, not getting any sleep, meeting with presidents? I mean, and you can't have a three-minute conversation with him before he goes, listen, we've got to help save these kids. We've got to help them. And we have, the, we have the technology to do it. We have the resources to do it. We just got to get everybody on board. Let's get this thing done. And you can see it. Why? Because when you're living God's purpose, passion can't be held back. You, can't, you don't care what everybody thinks. Jesus didn't care if they didn't like what he said or not. I have come to set at liberty the captives, which you are. I have come to declare the favor of God's life, uh, the favor of the Lord on, on your life today, the year of his favor. Let's go to point number two, truths about purpose. Number two, you have a skill set. You have a valued skill set. God gave you a skill set. Here's the problem. You keep comparing yourself to somebody else. That's your problem. Stop comparing yourself to what grandma said about you. Stop comparing yourself to what your mom said. Well, one day I hope that you become this. Or don't do like, you did, like your aunt did or like your cousin did. And you just need to take your skill set that God has given you and identify that and start using it for the purposes of God. People ask me all the time, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what God has for me. All I do is tell them, look at yourself. That's the, most e- that's the easiest question in the world. What are you passionate about? What do you enjoy? What, what could you get about doing that, that you wouldn't even have to be paid for? What, what, do you, what, what about you is different than everybody else? You say, yeah, but I'm not as good as so-and-so at this. I like to paint, but I'm not as good as so-and-so. It's not supposed to, That's your problem. You keep saying, comparing yourself to what someone else is good at. Just do what you do. Do what you do well. Do what you do with all your heart. Do what you do for God. Do what you do with... Take your skill set and you just say, well, my skill set's being grumpy. Well, be the grumpiest, uh, you know. Let's get you, you know, get you working in finance or something. I don't know. But just, just hey, watch this. But let's, let's just get you, let's just get you doing what you're good at. It'll be fulfilling. It, it, you say, well, I'm not as good as I want to be. Well, great, because when you start living in purpose, your skills start developing even better. He's, the Bible says it like this. How can the hand say to the foot, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't need you, I don't want you. Every part is different. You can't all be me, and I can't be you. When I got delivered from the fact that God made me different, it was like, he made me, it was like, dang, I'm special. Little short bus, come get me. You know, I, I, I knew that God wanted it that way. And so then I stopped excusing myself for not being what other people were. And I stopped making excuses for not living to my potential. And I just started serving God with what I was good at. I, I just, that's just, I, I can't be Bishop Jakes. I can't be Billy Graham. I, I can't be these, I just got to be me. And as I'm being me, that life is touching your life, which is touching others' lives as we fulfill our purpose. You have a skill set. Number three, write this down. It's real important. Number three, you have roles to fulfill. Now, let me help you with this one. You have ro- I don't know what my purpose is. Are you married? Yes, I am. Then, bro, your role is to love her as Christ loves the church. That's your purpose in that marriage. See, we all have roles that we have purposes in. You have a role. He said, I don't want to love her as Christ loved the church. Then you shouldn't have got married. Sweet love, you're married? Then it says to you, your purpose is to submit to him, even as unto the Lord. That, I get it. He's imperfect. He's a loser. Can't believe it. Why would he ask me to do that? That's your purpose in that marriage. He said, that is horrible. I don't like God. I'm so sorry about that. But if he will love you and fulfill his purpose and you will submit to him and fulfill your purpose, then what happens is God's plan prevails. It's when we refuse 
to walk in our role and our purpose. You say, you know what, uh, you know, I, 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 you know I, I'm going to have kids one day. Well, sir, if you're going to have kids, you need to understand something. You're supposed to be the spiritual leader of your home. Don't have kids if you don't want to be the spiritual leader of your home. Single people, if you don't want this purpose, it, the role comes with this purpose. I mean, listen, you can't, you can't be the quarterback and not throw the ball. Don't be a quarterback then. Go play defense. I just want to hit people. Can you imagine the quarterback? He just wants to be a wide receiver. I'm going to throw it to myself. It's like, your role is to be the quarterback. Stand there, throw the ball, hand it to Dak, let him score. It's not that hard. Sorry, Elliot had a moment. It's, it's really not that hard, right? Play your role. But what happens is we get to look at everybody else's role, and we want to play their role. And so we stop living purpose. Can I explain something? If you have a job, you're supposed to be a good employee to your employer. I don't can't stand this business. Then go start your own business. You have roles with purposes attached to them throughout Scripture. Listen, I have a mom and dad sitting on the front row. In reference to them, according to Scripture, even as a middle-aged man, I am to honor them. To honor them. To care for them. To watch after them. To honor them. Those are our, you have roles which come with purpose. So, so listen, I get it, bro. You're like, man, I'm not really good at being the spiritual leader of my home. Well, great. Now you understand why you have difficulty in your family. So now you recognize you're not fulfilling that purpose that God gave you. Now you can start adjusting. It may start small. He's like, all right, Pastor, still, we got to pray. Let's pray. God, let the Cowboys win. Amen. That's about as spiritual as I am right now. Let's go. But whatever it is, you've got to start developing your strength and your purpose. Because if you don't do it, who does it? It's your purpose. It's your role. If you don't do it, who does it? That's why we have such dysfunction in the body of Christ. That's why we have such dysfunction in our marriages. That's why we have such dysfunction in the world. Because we won't live purposeful. We won't live what we were supposed to do. And when you took on that role, you took on that responsibility to be that person and to walk in that purpose. Don't like it? I'm the lead pastor. Guess what? I have to rebuke people. I don't like rebuking people. I have to ask people to lead the church. I have to to protect you because there's wolves amongst the sheep. I, have, I don't want to do it. I don't like to do it. But it's my role. And if I don't do it, who's going to do it? It's my purpose, part of my purpose. I don't like it. I shouldn't have, want, I shouldn't have become a lead pastor then if I didn't want to do it, right? So just embrace it. Whatever that is, you have to embrace it. Ooh, sorry, got quiet. I got a few more minutes. Let's go. Number four, love hurts. All right, number four. <laughs> you, number four, you have to be intentional every day. You have to be intentional every day with your purpose. He said, Pastor, what are you talking about? Let me give you an example. So the other day, I was in a meeting that I did not want to be in. I was in charge of the meeting. I was asked to be in the meeting. I said, yes, I'll come and be a part of this gathering of people. I sat in the meeting, and within two hours, it was one of those meetings that should have stopped after about 10 minutes. But three hours, four hours, I think is what it went. Two hours into it, I was like, God, I have lost two hours of my life. This is the most worthless, horrible, why am I here? And he goes, exactly, why are you here? What's your purpose in this moment? I was so mad that it wasn't enjoyable, that I didn't realize, baby, purpose is, is here. Purpose has showed up. And so I said, Lord, I repent. I'm not being, I'm not being uh, intentional. I, I'm just letting life push me around. 
So you know what I said? I'm going to bring life to this because that's part of my calling. I'm going to bring life to this situation. So it got rah, rah, rah. I said, dude, that's a great idea. Wait, really? Not really, but I'm trying to bring life. Hey, this, and before you know it, man, by the end of this meeting, we were rejoicing and happy. It was like, I'm praying with people. I'm ministering to people. I was like, this is awesome. Because I stopped being unintentional and started being intentional. That marriage isn't going to get better, sweet love, until you start being intentional with your purpose. That, that work environment's not going to get any better until you start realizing, wait a minute, I'm a life giver. And I'm going to be intentional this moment and give life. What does the pastor scripture says? When did we see you thirsty and we didn't give you anything to drink? When did we see you in prison or hungry and we didn't care for you? He said, if you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. In other words, you passed me right by because you were so focused on something other than my purpose for your life. My purpose for your life was to minister to that person who was hungry. Right there. Just pause your day. Be intentional about it. I know that's good, so I'm going to keep moving. Number five, last and final one. If diverted... Purpose can be reestablished. Purpose can be reestablished. I meet so many of you who say, Pastor, when I was younger, I really felt like God wanted to use me for this and this and this. But then I got married and I went through a divorce and then got the kids and I'm just trying to survive. Friend, can I tell you something? God's not hindered by any of that. Purpose is never lost as long as God is on the throne. You heard me? Purpose is never lost as long as God is on the throne. It may have been diverted, but it can be reestablished. It may have been diverted, but it's not destroyed. You say, well, I was called to be a youth pastor, but now I'm, now I'm 85 years old. What do I do with that? Friend, let me tell you something. Doing the work of the youth pastor is different than being a purpose, purposeful youth lover. What I would do if I was that old, I wouldn't go try to get those kids to come over to my house and have slumber parties. That's kind of freaky-deaky weird anyway. <laughs> what I would do is I would encourage those youth pastors. What I would do is I would help them. I would give them things. I, I, I would speak life over them. I, I, I'd text them every now and then. I'd say, somebody's praying for you, young man. Someone's caring about those young people just as much as you are because it's part of my purpose. It's part of who I'm called to be. Are you there? Say yes. yes. doesn't matter what you went through. It doesn't matter if it got diverted. It doesn't matter if, it, if you missed it back in the day. I see it like this. So you've got this line that was your purpose. And you started on this line straight. But then what happened is you got diverted over here. Something happened. All God has to do is have you submit again to his purpose, and he'll redirect you back to that line. You don't have to. You, so I, I missed it. I'm off. I'm off. Yep, that's all right. But see, and, and any of the pilots will tell you this. You set, your, you set your trajectory. You set your end goal on that GPS, and you start flying that plane. But guess what you got? You got all these trade winds, and you got all this stuff, all these atmosp atmospheric pressure movements and stuff up in the atmosphere as they get up above the clouds. And what happens is that, that pathway looks like that plane is constantly having to redirect. Because it's constantly getting off and trying to get back on course. It'll, it'll blow it off and then they have to redirect and get it back on course. Why? Because that's life. That's life. You say, oh, but I blew it. I just got to quit because I blew it. I was supposed to go to college and I never did. I was supposed to be a doctor and all I am is working for a finance company. Friend, let me explain something to you. You are the purpose. It's not what you do. No matter what's happened, he can redirect it right back to center point. And get you right back on course. Come on, stand with me all across the room. And knowing that all things work together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. He's going to work those things in. Why? Because he called you. He gave you life. He gave you skill sets to accomplish that which you're called to accomplish. I want you to close your eyes with me across the room for just a moment. With every head bowed, every eye closed. 
Have you given up on purpose? Are you living purposeless? Are you just trying to make it through the day? Have you caught, caught in that trap of just working a job, paying the bills, living for the weekend, trying to go to church and not be a bad person? Is that all your existence was for? Is that, is that was the extent of why you were born? Have you believed the lie that you were on this planet unintentionally? Do you not grasp the truth that God made you? God planned out the times that you would be alive. He knew where he needed you. You could have been born in another country. You could have lived in another time. You could have, you could have been born in a whole other season of life. One where there was no electricity. But he had you here for this time, for this moment, living right here. The fact that we all go to church together is our destinies have come together. Our pathways have, have crossed and put us in relationship with each other. Because he has a plan and a purpose for our lives, for our church, for me, for you, for your family, for your marriage. It's always for the good, according to Scripture. Always for the good. To do good works is what the Bible says. You and I have been brought to life to do good works. So as you stand here with your head bowed and your eye closed, have you lost sight of your purpose? Do you not even know what it is? Oh, my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that you would surrender the plans of your heart. Merge them in with the plans of God and let purpose reign in your life. My prayer is that you'd look at your own skill sets, your own loving desires, the things that that you enjoy the things that God's gifted you with. Find your purpose from your passions. Identify your purpose from your skill sets. And get about the business of the Lord. That you would daily be attentive to fulfilling purpose. That you'd live your life not in hopeless abandonment. That you'd live your life in faith and confidence. God is directing you and leading you. And no matter how many diversions come, Hiccups, potholes, tragedies, nothing, 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 nothing can keep him from getting you back on track if you and I will but allow it. So as you stand there with your head bowed and your eye closed, would you take a moment just interact with your God? Say, Lord, help me. Help me recognize purpose again, Lord. Lord, help me be clear about it. Help me see my life is more than just working a job, but throughout the day that there is a plan Help me see, oh God, that I may not like where I'm at right now, but there's purpose in it. And I can fulfill that. That it's not about what I do, but who I am. See, friend, for your growth to happen, we can put all the water on you, get you all the clean air, put you in the right box with all the right dirt. But if that light doesn't shine down and give you clarity of direction, the light of God doesn't illuminate your heart, you won't grow. You'll look up and be the same stuff plant that has never ever produced anything Father I pray right now that church on the hill Lord that we would be a church that lives for the purposes of God that Lord God that we would submit our plans and all of our little pipe dreams and just, just kind of merge them in to what you have and then Lord recognize that some of those dreams from childhood they were dreams from God they were purpose plans from God they were, they were part of your desire for us Lord God that the things that we enjoy things we like 
that's all wrapped in there. You wouldn't make us do stuff we hate. Lord, you made us. So what we enjoy, you made that inside of us. And so, Father, I pray we would find that and live that. As you keep your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment, if you're in this room today, and you were just to be honest, man, you are just to be authentic, not pretending to make people, you know, think that it's all okay, but just to be honest with yourself and with the Lord. Maybe you would say, Pastor, I'll be honest with you. I don't think if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I really appreciate what you're talking about today, about purpose and life and God's plan. But I got to be honest, Pastor, I, I, I haven't surrendered myself to God. He's, Jesus isn't my Lord. I mean, I go to church here and there, but I can't say that I have a relationship with God. Friend, I got great news for you. He's not mad at you. You're here today. Something in your heart wants God. You're just one step away. He said, what do I have to do? Well, the Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, he'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll make you his son and his daughter. He said, what about, what about this and what about that? Listen, Jesus paid for all of that 2,000 years ago. Every sin you've ever committed has already been prepaid for. There's an account with your name on it. All your sins have already been pre-covered. It's been, it's, it's been paid forward. So well, how do I access that? Well, today, you humble yourself and you ask Jesus to come into your life. And you give him who you are and the desires of your heart. With no one looking around, this is a private moment. And I want to give a private call to individuals in this room who, I, who the Lord is tugging at your heart. Now is the time. Serve ye the Lord. Come to him. Ask him into your life. So, Pastor, what do you want me to do? Here in just a moment, if this is you, you're not a Christian, or you used to be, and you've walked away from him, and you want to come home, I want to pray with you. No one's looking. This is private. It's you and God and me. I'm the only other one watching. But I want to pray with you. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands right where you're at. Say, Pastor, that's me. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, bro. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for your honesty. Yes, sweet love. Thank you. Thank you, woman of God. Yes, sir. Anybody? Yes, ma'am. You can put it back. Thank you, sir. You can put it down. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I'm tired of running. I don't want to run anymore. It's time. We're ready to serve God. We're ready to change. Listen to all those lies. If you're just going to go back to your old way, listen, don't listen to all that. God's going to come into your life and give you strength that you didn't have before. Anyone else? Give me about one more second. Make sure I see your hand. Amen. All the hands are down. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance. Just a prayer. I always say it like this. If I was at a party and you were my new friend and Jesus, my best friend, was sitting over there, I would grab you and I'd bring you over to him. And I'd introduce the two of you and start your friendship right there. That's what this prayer is. It's me connecting you and God and you praying that out loud and you connecting your heart to him. He's going to forgive you and cleanse you and you're going to become best friends right here, right now. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this prayer out loud with those who are giving their lives to Jesus. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I need you. I ask you now to forgive me of my sin here and now I declare Jesus is my Lord I ask you fill me with your Holy Spirit write my name in your book of life I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus name keep your head bowed for just a moment Father I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand who meant that prayer with all of their heart I pray right now they would sense your peace. They don't have to work for it. Let purpose start rising up inside of them. And them realizing that 
You're working all the junk from the past. You're working it for their good. You can take that and make something out of that. And that, Lord God, their lives will never be the same. And I pray for the joy that comes from knowing that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. The joy for knowing that I'm best friends with the King of glory. I pray for that joy to overtake them now. Lord, let your peace reign in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.